Likuti Sichos, Chelik Tezayin, that's volume 16, the second Sicha for Parshas Truma. This Sicha actually is a unique Sicha, because in its original state, it actually wasn't said as a Sicha, it was actually delivered by the Rebbe as a formal Hasidic discourse, as a mimer, as we know it. It was rewritten in the same form as all the other Likuti Sichos, and it is actually very, very understandable and very applicable to our day-to-day life. I mean, in this sicha, we're going to learn how the idea of the building, the constructing of the Mishkan, the Beis Hamikdash, that is, the, the temple, the tabernacle, how it applies and how it is effectively done in our day-to-day life. And also, we're going to enjoy the uniqueness and the specificness of the wording in the Torah and even the nuances in the Psukim and how that Hashem chose to deliver His message to us, to express His mitzvahs, how that brings out the inner essence of it all. So in the Parsha, in the uh, third, second and third verse of our Parsha, which is essentially the beginning of the Parsha, we have three mentions of the Truma, of the offerings that the Yidin were instructed to give for the construction, for the service of the Mishkan, of the Tabernacle. And the three mentions are, if you look in the verse, first it begins, it says, Speak to the children of Israel, Ve'yikhu li Truma, and they shall take for me a truma, an offering. Then it says that you shall take tikhu es trumasi. You should take my truma. And then in the next verse it says, Vizois ha truma asher tikhu And this is the truma, this is the offering which you shall take to the, from them. And it specifies the gold, the silver, the copper, and all the various materials. There's actually a debate as to exactly the number that uh, the, uh, of the different types of materials, but whatever it is, all the materials that they were meant to offer, to donate for the construction of the temple. So Chazal tell us, the sages tell us, that these three trumas, these three different mentions of the offerings, actually correspond to three different offerings that the Eden had to give. The first one that says, V'yikhu li truma, they shall take for me an offering, that is a very specific offering that the Eden gave. And as we'll see later, they gave exactly a half a shekel, the same amount each person gave. And that went for the purpose of the Adonim, the sockets, the sockets on which stood the entire structure of the Mishkan, meaning the foundation of the Mishkan. These were silver, big blocks, big silver sockets, which were made from these coins. The second one, which says, Tikhu es trumasi, you shall take my truma, my offering, that is the truma of the, that is the offering of the shkolim, the half shekels, not the ones that went for the sockets, but the ones that they would, uh, that they used for the purchase of the communal sacrifices, the daily offerings in the Mishkan. And in fact, this was something that was an annual consecutive thing, year after year, they would collect it as they had a budget in order to cover the costs of all the sacrifices. And then the third one, and this is the truma which you take from them, 
all the various materials, that is for the construction of the Mishkan of the Tabernacle. Now, if you look a little closely, if we take a little analytic look at these verses, you will see a very interesting distinction. And in fact, we can break down these three in two groups, the first two and the third one. The first two, if you look at it, it speaks very in very broad terms, and it's kind of ambiguous. It doesn't specify as to what has to be done. In fact, when I told you that they took exactly a half a shekel, that we know from much later on, in a much later Parsha, Parsha's Pikude, where it specifies, or in Parsha's Kisisa, where it specifies that you have to give a half a shekel. But here it just mentions it. It doesn't give us any detail. However, the, fi- the last one, the third one, which is the offering for the construction of the Mishkan, that it goes into detail. It tells us all the various kinds of materials, and it doesn't tell us how much one has to give, but it says one has to give according to the offering, according to the goodness of their heart. But it tells us what? It goes into very specific detail what is, what, what, um, what, uh, you know, what they're supposed to bring. Now, it's obvious that all three of these are directly connected to the construction of the Mishkan. True, one could make the argument that perhaps the second one, which is the, which is the offering for the sacrifices, for the means of buying the communal offerings, perhaps one can argue, well, that is not really part of the construction of the Mishkan. But I have to tell you it is. Why? Because we know, and especially according to the Rambam, who was a leading authority on the construction of the Beis Hamikdash and its purpose, the Rambam states that the main purpose of the Beis Hamikdash, and in this case the Mishkan, is for the purpose of offering the sacrifices. In other words, the offerings, the daily offerings, is not just another thing in addition to the construction. That is the whole idea, that is the whole uh, uh, purpose, that is the whole objective of the construction of the Mishkan. And therefore, it's part and parcel of it. And therefore, the question is, this begs the question, why the difference in in expression and in the detail and in the way it's presented between the first two offerings that are mentioned in the, these two psukim and versus the third offering. And I just make another argument, even if one should still insist on arguing that, look, the offering for the sacrifices is still not directly for the construction for the Mishkan. It's for the general purpose and idea. But here I can throw you back an argument. The Adonim, the sockets, are not only for the construction of the Mishkan, but they are an essential part of the Mishkan. Like I mentioned earlier, they are the foundation. They hold up the walls of the Mishkan, and yet there is no detail mentioned about them. So this already directs us to like that there's to to the to the point of realization that there's something going on here. The Pasik is choosing. Hashem chooses to emphasize something because this brings out, so to speak, the idea. This brings out the real true point of this whole idea of building the Mishkan. Now, there's another difference between the first two and the and the last one. There's another difference between these trumas. When you look at the words, the way Hashem expresses it in the Torah, the first two have a very strong indication of connection to Hashem. 
Look at the words. It says, V'yikhu li, a whole word, li, to me, a truma. They shall take to me a truma. To me is to Hashem. In the second one, it also directs the truma to Hashem and connects it to Hashem, but already not in a separate word. But in this same word, it says truma si, which in English would be two words, but in Hebrew it becomes one word. Like it's a, it's a suffix to a word, to the word truma. My truma. But still, clearly pointing of this direct connection that it, to, that it has to Hashem. V'yikholi, direct connection to Hashem, truma si, it includes Hashem in it. Whereas the third one, it just says, and this is the truma which you shall take. Quote, unquote. It doesn't say to me. It doesn't say for Hashem. My truma. Why the difference? And again, this is pointing us in a direction of realization that there is something special going on over here. The Torah is trying to teach us something. Now to throw in something which we don't see clearly in the verses, but a very, very interesting medrash. The medrash tells us that when the verse specifies the various materials, and, and in general you can break them into to, to some a few groups that were necessary for the construction of the Mishkan, the, the Medrash tells us a very interesting thing, and it says, quote, the gold, the silver, the copper, and the red hides of the rams, the red uh, ram hides, they actually correspond to four different stages of Golos. They far, correspond to four empires. The gold corresponds to Bavel, to Babylonia. And this is not the time or place to go into exactly how gold expresses that. The silver to Madai, okay, the Persian Medinian Empire. Nechoshes, the copper, corresponds to Yovan, the Greek, the Syrian Greek Empire. And the red hides, obviously, to red, to Edoim, which is Rome. Of course, what kind of, the question is so obvious. What is the connection between building the Mishkan and these four empires. If anything, these four empires represent the destruction of the Beis HaMikdosh, or at least the attempt at the destruction of the Beis HaMikdosh, whereas here we're learning about the building of the Beis HaMikdosh in its early stage, the Mishkan, the tabernacle. So where would there be a connection? How can this be um, um, hinting to that? How can these materials that were essential in the building of the Mishkan be hinting to these four empires which are inherently against this idea. They are inherently the antithesis of the building of the Mishkan. They were the ones who either actually brought about or sought to bring about the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash. So the Rebbe says, in order to understand all this, we'll first look at our building of the Mishkan. By taking a little examination of what it is that it takes for each and every Jew to build a Mishkan, to build a Mikdash. Now when we say to, for us to build a Mikdash, we're talking about our general service of Hashem in this world, with this world, through this world. And that is present, represented in the verse, which is also in the early stage of this week's Parsha, Hashem says they shall make for me a sanctuary and I'll dwell amongst them. And we know, of course, this refers to our mission, our purpose of doing 
Torah and mitzvahs and making the world into a place, as we know, a dira betachtonim, a dwelling place for Hashem down here in this world. Now, in general, this Aveda, this service of Hashem, is divided into three, what we call three pillars, three different uh, 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 categories. You have Torah, Aveda, and Gemilas Chasadim. Torah is, of course, the, obviously the study of Torah, connecting to Hashem through that, to, to Torah study. And Avodah is the service of Hashem. In the times of the Besamikdash, it was done, it was implemented in the manner of offering the sacrifices. Nowadays, it's through tefillah, through davening and connecting to Hashem that way. And then, of course, the mitzvahs, which in general is usually expressed with the idea of gemilas chasadim, of doing loving kindness, of doing tzedakah and helping others because that is the ultimate in all the mitzvahs. And this already can help us understand why is it that the Torah divided all the offerings into three categories? In other words, why didn't the Torah just say, here, here's the offering, everybody give, give whatever, or give a lot, give a half a shekel and give this and give that. One mention. Because you can already see that there are three different, there are three different paths, there are three different approaches, there are three different ways, three different modes in which we serve Hashem. And in our case, the way we create our sanctuary in this world. Now, if we look at these three different types of trumas, we'll see how they correspond to Torah, Avodah, or Tefillah, and Gemilas Hasadim. The trumas ha'adonim, the truma, the first one of the the um, sockets, which I said were the foundation, that corresponds to Torah. Well, how does it correspond to Torah? Because the Torah is the foundation of everything. Everything we have in Judaism, from the actual mitzvah, mitzvahs, from the actual commandments to even the customs and the good deeds and the good character traits that one has to have, all of it comes from the Torah. So without Torah, you don't have Judaism, you don't have the foundation. The truma of the shkalim, which goes for the offerings, we understand. It's very clear. The offerings, in our days, it's the tefillah, it's our, it's our prayers that correspond to the korbanos, to the offerings. And the truma samishkan, all the materials, all the various things that they used in order to construct the mishkan, that is, in our lives, that's all the worldly matters, that's all the material things we have through which and with which we serve Hashem. And now we can understand a little better the difference in expression in the in the in the in the way the Torah expressed these three, they brought out these three um, uh, different offerings. You see, the Torah in the book of Mishlei, the book of Proverbs, Shloima Melech refers to the Torah as he says, In English, it translates that the Torah kind of says about itself. I was with him, with Hashem, as a confidant. That means the closest to Hashem, a source of delight every day. So we see that the Torah is connected to Hashem. The Torah is with Hashem. Notice the Vayik Chuli, they take to me, right? It's me. It, it's so connected to me, so connected to Hashem. And we also know that the Torah preceded the world. And therefore, even as the Torah comes down into the world, and even though it seems to connect to worldly ideas, when you learn, for example, Talmud, you talk about all kinds of worldly things, or so it seems, yet the Torah remains, so to speak, aloof. The Torah remains a step higher than that. It doesn't actually 
fully connect to worldly matters. Or to put it in, in, in perspective, the Torah is a Torah in itself. Versus, for example, mitzvahs, in order for there to be a mitzvah, there has to be a recipient of the mitzvah. So to speak, you need to whom to command the mitzvah, otherwise there is no existence of a mitzvah. Whereas the Torah, the idea and the chacham of the Torah, the wisdom of the Torah, the concepts of the Torah, they pre-exist the world, as it says, alpayim shon, even 2,000 years, which means 2,000 levels even beyond and before the creation of the world. And this actually helps us understand, and we can see it as it manifests itself in an actual halacha. The halacha is that if somebody is tommy, somebody is impure, in certain circumstances, they cannot put on tefillin, they cannot do certain mitzvahs, they cannot daven even, they, can, they cannot do certain holy acts. But as far as Torah is concerned, it says that the, quote, the words of Torah do not receive any tumah. In other words, even if somebody who is impure should learn Torah, he cannot contaminate it. Why? Because the Torah is beyond our reach, so to speak. We learn Torah. We have the privilege of being able to connect somewhat to Hashem through Torah, but the Torah is ultimately and inherently connected with Hashem Himself. Now let's look at Avodah. Let's look at the service. It's true I mean, what, what is the idea of Avodah? How is it categorized in the beginning of Chomish Vayikra? Adam Kiyakriv Mikem. A person who will offer from you. That means you see that the carbon is about getting close to Hashem. That's the word carbon. Carbon comes from the root word karev, kiruv, which means getting close to Hashem. But it comes from you, from within the person. The person makes himself closer to Hashem. In the times of the offering of the carbonis, it was through bringing a carbon. But now it's even in a, in a way more obvious and more clear because it is through the avoida. What is the avoida? The tefillah. What is tefillah? It's called avoida shebelev. It's in your heart. It's taken from your inner self and more from your spiritual part and offering it and bringing it close to Hashem. And we know that what happens when you daven, in, if you remember the dream of Yaakov with the ladder, that is a symbol, that is really a, a metaphor of davening, that you start from the lower level and you reach all the way high. How does the Torah describe it? How does the Torah describe that ladder? Its head reaches the heavens, meaning the ultimate idea of, of tefillah, of davening, is to get so close to Hashem, so to speak, you reach the highs, you reach the heavens, you reach Hashem Himself. That is... That is the difference between Torah and Tefillah. However, there's a common denominator. What is the common denominator between the two? In both of them, Torah and Tefillah, a person works with himself. It's about the person becoming close to Hashem. Whether he can become fully close to Hashem, ultimately, you know, with the, in the ultimate level, or, or like in Tefillah, really become close to Hashem. In Torah, you say there is still some divide. But the idea is that the person is not really so much focused on the world, the person is focused on himself. And in fact, you see, when you want to learn, you separate yourself from the world. You need as least as possible distractions. When you daven, it's you, it's your thoughts, it's your prayer. You cannot deal with distractions. You cannot deal with the world, right? You can't just, and therefore even in halacha, you cannot daven in an open field. You cannot daven in a noisy place. You cannot daven in a place that has inherent distractions. But mitzvahs, let's look at the third category, Mitzvahs, what is the idea of mitzvahs? A mitzvah is that you take a gashmistika thing, you take something which is material, 
a physical thing, and the way it is, you don't actually change and transform it. As it is an item of this physical world, you use it for service of Hashem. And it remains an item of the physical. And one who doesn't have the eyes to see does not see any Kedusha in it, does not see any holiness. In other words, you take the Gashmias in its state and you offer it to Hashem. You take the world as it is and you make it a dwelling place for Hashem. Whereas Torah, like we mentioned, Torah you don't change, you can't change the Torah, it's not changeable. And even Tefillah, even Avoida, and by the way, you one can think to make the argument, well, they did offer karbonis, they did offer physical animals, they did offer animals on the Mizbeach, so you do see it taking the, the, a worldly thing and transforming it and elevating it to Kedusha. That is true, but it's not as the, a regular mitzvah. Why? Because the halacha is that before you can offer an animal on the Mizbeach, you had to first consecrate it. The moment you consecrate it, it's no longer just a physical object. It's no longer a, 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 a just a regular mundane item. It already became something holy. After it becomes holy, then you can offer it on the Mizbeach. Whereas a mitzvah, let's take the mitzvah of tzedakah. Do you first consecrate the dollar? Does the dollar become holy? The dollar is the same dollar before you gave it to tzedakah, after you gave it to tzedakah. Nothing changed in that dollar. It's still a dollar. And it's... It's, it's accomplished a mitzvah now. It's made the world a place which is a dwelling place for Hashem. And this actually helps us understand something about mitzvahs. Why is it that when it comes to mitzvah, it comes to mitzvahs, you see that there's always a size, there's always a limit, there's always a, 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 a medida and hakbala. It has to be done this way and not that way. It has to be done at least this amount and sometimes there's a maximum amount. Why? Because mitzvahs are connected to Gashmias. Mitzvahs are done with Gashmias. Mitzvah is in the Gashmias of the world. The Gashmias of the world, by definition, is something that has a limitation. It has, it has a finite um, size, big or small, thin or, or, or thick, it does, whatever it is. But the world, by definition, is something finite. And therefore, when we're doing the mitzvahs with worldly things, we're doing the mitzvahs with gashmias, it needs to conform to the reality of the gashmias. When it comes to Torah, we know that Torah, it says, Torah is beyond any whatsoever measurement. It's, so to speak, longer than the earth, greater than the world, larger than life. When it comes to tefillah, as we said, you reach the heavens, the sky is the limit, meaning there is no limit. But when it comes to mitzvahs, there's a limit. You can't take two asregim, you, you cannot put on, th- uh, uh, you cannot have five uh, tzitzis on, 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 on a four-cornered garment. You just can't do that. It doesn't do the mitzvah. None of those the mitzvah that frees the whole purpose. This will help us understand the wording in the psukim. Look at the first Pasuk. It doesn't say, They shall give to me a truma, but They shall take from me. In other words, when you're learning Torah, you're, so to speak, drawing down from above. You're taking. It's not us giving, so to speak, from ourselves. It's not us giving from the world. We're taking. We're trying to take from the holiness of Torah and draw it down. However, it still remains two words. They shall take to me. What does that point out? That no matter how much one takes, there is still somewhat of a divide, as we explained, that Torah does not 
fully mix with the world. The Torah does not fully become part of the world. And therefore, there is somewhat of a divide. There's somewhat of a of a of a separation. Okay? However, when when it comes to the to the um the aspect of prayer, when it comes to the aspect of prayer, there we have the 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 thing where the person elevates himself, the person becomes higher and is reaching higher, and he becomes, so to speak, connected to Hashem, as much as a human being can become connected, and as great as his tefillah is, there you see that there is, it says, Yitnu as Trumasi, they shall give, you're giving from yourself, and you're trying to get higher and closer to Hashem, and Trumasi is one word, my Truma is one word, you actually do become connected to Hashem, with tefillah you could become connected to Hashem. However, when it comes to the third Truma, which represents our day-to-day Avoida, in service of Hashem, over there it doesn't explicitly say the connection to Hashem. Why? Because as we said, as we mentioned, we explained, when you do something with the world, when you, even though you affect the Gashmias, you bring holiness into it, but you don't actually see the change. You don't see the transformation. Gashmias remains Gashmias. The physical still, still remains the physical. The material still has the appearance of the material. However, it is the ultimate. When it comes to service of Hashem, when it comes to making this world a sanctuary for Hashem, a dira, a dwelling place for Hashem, this is the ultimate purpose. This is the ultimate objective in the creation of the world. Even more than the study of Torah and then the service through uh, serving Hashem through Karbonis or in our days through Tefillah. And as the, as the Alter Rebbe stresses, that this is a dira, Hashem wants a dwelling place, that means He wants a place where we can feel absolutely comfortable, down here in the lowest of the low. Since this is the ultimate objective, therefore, when it came to the first two, Torah and Tefillah, it's mentioned more in an ambiguous manner. Very generalization, without details. But when it comes to this, the Torah actually spells out every detail, every material that's used, Think about it in a sense of where is the most work, where's the most effort put into, let's say when you're building a home. Yes, there's a lot of effort and a lot of thought and attention that has to be put into the plans and to the permits and everything. But the actual building, the actual furnishing it takes up the most time and most energy because that is the main purpose. That's where everything is really happening. And now we can understand that medrash. The medrash which would seem to be so so um, misunderstood and so maybe even you know absurd actually makes sense because when the Torah is speaking about the building of the Mishkan at least in the in the level of the Medrash you know in the homiletics it's not just talking about the actual Mishkan back there in the desert it's talking about your Mishkan my Mishkan it's talking about our dwelling place that we make for Hashem in this world there is no greater dwelling place that's made. There's no greater um, effect on the Gashmias, on the lowest of the low, the lowest point of Gashmias, than when we are in Golos, on the various types of Golos, beginning with Bavel and ending with the one that we're in now, the Golos Edom, the Golos of Rome, that there we actually get to reach the lowest tier of Gashmias, and with that and through that, build a dwelling place to Hashem. And that's why it's hinted 
in the in the in the in the verses uh, as as expressed by the Medrash. And of course, this will be revealed ultimately when Mashiach comes. That we'll see how the ultimate of service of Hashem is actually not like it seems today in the study of Torah and in the you know what it seems to the naked eye and in the um, process of prayer, rather in action in the building of a dwelling place for Hashem.